0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, I'm delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I recollect many years ago, standing up in front of a group of business people, in a hotel one beautiful spring morning in London. I was the guest speaker at some breakfast or other. I can't remember the details but what I do remember is that halfway through my presentation I was interrupted by somebody who said, hold on a minute, you are making a load of assumptions here about how the normal mind works and you're generalizing. And I said straight back. I said, yes, I would agree with you, absolutely. I am making generalizations here. I am generalizing because obviously not every single person on the planet is crazy, but I'm not making any assumptions. Every single thing I've said this morning to this group about how the normal mind works is backed up by years and years, decades, of cognitive psychology, behavioural psychology, and now more recently, neuroscience. Therefore, when I say to you in this podcast today, that the normal mind is obsessive and compulsive, I mean it. I'm not going to go into all the science that backs this up. I want to talk about it in practical terms. Because an awful lot of people will say to me, oh, I think I might be OCD. And I say to them, yeah, probably you're right. Just in the same way, as an aside, that people often say to me, I think I might be suffering from depression. And my answer always is, yeah, you're probably right too. Because the normal mind is depressed. The normal mind depresses you suppresses you from coming out into the open. We'll have another conversation about that sometime. But I want to come back to the fact that we're all obsessed. We're all obsessed, first of all, with pleasing other people. The number of times people have said to me, I wish I could say no. And when you dig a little deeper, They're afraid to say no because they like pleasing other people or they're afraid not to please other people or they're afraid that if they said no, other people wouldn't like them as much or other people might look askance at them. But the fact is that they're obsessed not so much with pleasing people, they're obsessed with the approval that goes with or comes from pleasing people. Most people, and I'm quoting Tony DeMello on this, and if you're interested, you might go and look at his book, Awareness, published many years ago at this stage. But DeMello makes the point that we are, as normal human beings, obsessed with the drug of approval, that we were reared on the drug of approval, that we need the approval of others because we don't approve of ourselves. Now, you know as well as I do that most people will say at some point or other that their self-esteem isn't as high as it should be, their self-confidence is lacking. Sometimes there's a little bit of sprinkling of self-doubt in there as well and most people aren't absolutely 100% happy with themselves. I've never met anybody when, on having asked them the question, are you completely happy with yourself? Nobody ever answers yes and if they do they're probably lying because none of us is perfect but most of us think that we are an awful lot less good and less deserving and less wonderful than we actually are once we let ourselves out once we get rid of that suppression or depression that i mentioned a moment ago but the fact is that we're obsessed with the approval of other we actually need it we're addicted to it How much easier would it be to sail through life if you dropped that obsession? How much easier would it be day to day if you could learn, when appropriate, to say no? Actually, I'll rephrase that. If you could know when appropriate to say no. Because the more you let your inner self out, The more your inner self will say to you, ah no, you, you shouldn't say yes in these circumstances. Perhaps you're already stretched, perhaps the request is unreasonable, but for a whole variety of gut instinctive reasons you should say no here. And the other point about it is that people, even when they come to the conclusion that they should say no, are afraid to say no, because again they are afraid of hurting other people's feelings or diminishing their standing with other people. It all boils down to the same thing that I mentioned a minute ago, our obsession with this drug of approval. But when you let yourself out, when you get rid of that suppression or depression that is foisted upon us by our own thoughts or at least the thoughts about what people did to us and for us when we were young and impressionable. When you begin to let yourself out, when you begin to rise from the ashes of your own suppression or depression, you can begin to not even overcome these obsessions because there there is no obsession. The obsession is only born out of thought and thinking about what other people might be thinking about you. Bearing in mind that that is a wasted exercise as well because other people aren't thinking about you, they're thinking about what you think of them. So we're always a million miles removed from the reality of knowing when to say yes, the reality of knowing when to say no, and the reality of knowing how to say no. You see, the more you free yourself, the more you know what the right thing is to do and what the wrong thing is to avoid doing. And there is no longer any discomfort or, as somebody said to me a couple of years ago, squeamishness about saying no when saying no is the appropriate thing to say. Our addiction to the approval of others evaporates the more we let our inner selves out because the more our inner self becomes evident to us, the inner self beyond our thought, the more that becomes evident to us, the more we begin to understand how complete we are ourselves, how wonderful we are ourselves. As an integral part of the universe in which we live, of course we are wonderful, we are amazing, but the more we realize, the more we know the more we actually feel how amazing and wonderful we are, the more we don't need the approval of others anymore because we approve of ourselves. We become comfortable in our own skins. And that is what one of my clients calls liberation. How do you liberate yourself? How do you liberate yourself from your own fears? Fear about making a fool of yourself, fear about not being liked by other people, fear of not gaining the other person's approval. How do you liberate yourself from your own fears? Well, fear is just a thought. The only real fear there is in this world is the fear of being confronted by something that could kill you. A building falling on you, a plane flying into a twin tower, a tiger leaping out in front of you, being involved in a serious motor accident. That fear is primal. It is fear of not surviving. But all other fear, or what we call fear in this life, isn't fear at all. It is only an emotion born of thinking too much about something that we shouldn't be thinking about at all. Fear of success, fear of failure, fear of not being liked, fear of being lonely, and indeed loneliness is a thought as well. We might come back to that at some other point too. But the point is that we liberate ourselves from these imaginary fears. And they're imaginary because they're just fueled, created by and fueled by our own thoughts. We liberate ourselves from this fear by changing how we think. And we change how we think by drawing our attention away from the thoughts that generate these false emotions within us. And we do that by turning our attention to the reality of the present moment. This in actual practice is the power of meditation. Meditation is, at its most basic level, an exercise in paying attention to the present moment, in becoming mindful. Mindfulness, as defined by the University of Massachusetts Medical School, and indeed by Buddhism, is deliberately paying all of your attention to the reality of the present moment non-judgmentally non-judgmental is the bit where you take your own thoughts out of the equation. Because otherwise you'll start judging a situation based on your own thoughts and judging whether you're up to dealing with the situation based on your own thoughts of the situation and based on your own thoughts of who you think you are. That's what gives rise to stress. That is what gives rise to fear. That is what gives rise to our freezing on the spot and making life far more difficult for ourselves than it might otherwise be. But let's come back to the key theme of today's podcast that we are obsessive-compulsive, we're impulsive, we're driven by the impulses of our automatic pilot. It's how the normal person makes it through the day. That's why I said to my friends at that breakfast in London a number of years ago that I might have been generalizing because everybody, obviously, is not afraid of their shadow. Not everybody craves the approval of other people. But certainly the way in which the normal mind works has been confirmed again and again and again to be fuelled by this need for the drug of approval. And that's why we become obsessed with pleasing other people. That's why we become obsessed with putting ourselves down as a result of having craved the approval of other people because in craving the approval and getting the approval of other people, we actually further disapprove of ourselves. It's like any drug that you become addicted to. The more you get of it, the more you need it, and if you're suddenly deprived of it, you literally go into withdrawal, further withdrawal in this case from the world. We're obsessed with being liked by other people. We're obsessed with money. Now here's a really interesting one because we're the only species on the planet who even knows about money. Never mind, obsessed with money. The point I made a minute ago in relation to how much easier it would be to manoeuvre your way through the day if you could know when to say yes and when to say no and how nicely to say either. The point I made about that stands firm in relation to money too. Most people's obsession with money is stopping them from making money. The accountant, and I'm not talking about the accountant in me, although obviously I am one, the accountant in general, for example, for starters, is obsessed with money. And if, and I'm sure there are accountants listening to me, if there are, I make no apology for what I'm about to say because I stood up in front of a large group of accountants a number of years ago again at a breakfast. It was a different breakfast but it was just for accountants and I stood up in front of them and said, what if I told you that in becoming more focused you could charge your clients twice the amount of fees that you're charging them now and work half the amount of time? I had their attention straight away for the simple reason that charge by the hour or the quarter hour or half hour. Then they bill their clients. The client always says you billed me too much and then they reduce the amount of their fee so that they end up getting paid. So that's basically how the accounting profession works. Half the time they spend working on their clients, they're not working on their clients because And this is me not making an assumption, this is a fact. Because the normal mind tries to do what it needs to do through a fog of thought. And all kinds of thoughts come into the equation. A really simple one. It's Monday and I'm down. So it's going to be harder to work today and I'm going to end up getting less done. And that, because you think that way, ends up being a fact. Or it's Friday and I can't wait for the weekend, so I spend half the day thinking about what I'm going to do at the weekend. And again, I haven't got my work done in the way in which it might otherwise be so much easier to get done if I just turned my attention to what I have to do. They're the normal thoughts that pepper all our heads. But people in business and people in businesses like accounting are obsessed with cash flow. Now, there's a good reason to pay attention to cash flow, obviously, because the old expression in business that cash is king is true. It doesn't matter how many assets you have. It doesn't matter how many sales you have. It doesn't matter how many customers you have. If they're not paying you, you're out of business. I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago. I'd asked them whether or not they were stressed or to rate themselves 0 to 10 in relation to how stressed they are. And the reply I got was, I've been in business working for myself since 2000. And as a small business person, he said to me, you know what it's like to be stressed. No, I don't. I know what it is like to pay attention to my cash flow, but I'm not obsessed with money like most people are. Now, you might say to yourself, that is a really judgmental thing I have just said. But in my experience, every single person to whom I have ever spoken, initially, had the financial cart before the horse. Somebody said to me a couple of days ago, I'm all over the place now trying to figure out how to build my six-figure business. Why couldn't they simply focus on building their business? rather than on building a six-figure business because if they did the right things to build their business and did them to the best of their ability without this obsession that it has to be a six-figure business it might end up being a seven-figure business <sighs> many years ago I met uh, a potential client. He turned out not to be a client. I was asked to meet him by uh, somebody else with whom I worked at the time and I sat down with this guy who had a very large amount of actual cash in the bank having sold his shareholding in a family business and I asked him what were his key goals in life and he said financial freedom and I said you don't need me you need a psychiatrist not a psychologist because with that money in the bank you're craving what? financial freedom. This finance thing is another one of our obsessive compulsive disorders when we use our minds normally as normal human beings. People talk to me about I need to have a big pension pot in place and I keep saying to them no you don't what you need is access to cash flow. It's the point I made a minute ago. Access to money. You don't need a big pension pot. You need access to enough money. And you see, there's another problem with people's obsession with money. Enough is never enough. But how would it be if enough meant that I have enough to do all of the things my heart desires so that I am happy enough and healthy enough to move through life effortlessly? It's a different definition of enough Ally that definition of enough with what we talked about a few minutes ago in relation to doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing and your life would become so much easier. What if you went about your business without thinking about the money but instead thinking about doing your business to the very best of your ability? What if you talked to your customers as people whom you want to delight rather than saying to yourself, I need X amount of revenue from these customers. What if you took money out of the equation altogether, knowing that if you do the right things you will always have enough? The enough that I mentioned a minute ago. I have a very good friend, who, when I met him first, was head of treasury for one of the largest corporations on the globe. He was moving around 8 or $9 billion every day in treasury. And over dinner one evening, he said to me, I reckon, he said, and most of my friends in in this business reckon as well, that about 95% of the money in the world doesn't exist. It's just flickering lights on a screen. And most of the money that is supposedly moving around markets never moves anywhere. It's all an illusion. It's all imaginary. But it's an obsession. Now, I made this point to a group of farmers that I was talking to online a couple of weeks ago. And one of the people on the call said to me, that's all very well and good, but what if I don't have enough money in the bank to pay my bills and a number of other farmers on the call said have you ever run out of money none of us has ever run out of money I don't know anybody who has ever run out of money and I'm including people who when I met them first would have been living from hand to mouth living in tiny little apartments or flats having lost everything And clearly not having lost everything they only thought they'd lost everything they hadn't lost everything they were talking to me and as a result of understanding that you don't put money first money started flowing this obsession that we have with money gets us into all kinds of trouble first of all people make awfully stupid decisions when it comes to money people invest in things that they know in their heart and soul are too good to be true and then discover they were too good to be true The vast majority of people going about their work every day are working to pay the bills. Otherwise, 75% of people in work wouldn't be suffering from job dissatisfaction. They're suffering from job dissatisfaction because they're doing their work for the wrong reason. What if you were doing your work to do your work? What if you were talking to your customers to talk to your customers? What if you were having breakfast in the morning without a care in the world? Having set aside all of the thoughts that lead to the fear that I mentioned earlier on. Because we all, on automatic pilot, have a fear of not having enough money. Or, let me put it the other way around, a fear of not making the money that I would love to make. Because I haven't got my head around what my definition of what enough is. And I haven't got my head around my definitions of happiness and success. Money won't buy you love. Money won't buy you happiness. Money won't buy you care-free peace of mind. All of those things come from within. All of those things come from putting your own state of mind first. All of those things come from you understanding what turns you on, what makes you happy. And then, once you get into the flow as a result of understanding all of that, having cleared your mind, having meditated every morning, once you get yourself into that flow, the money follows. Somebody else on that farmers call said to me a couple of weeks ago, or said in the course of that conversation, said, you need to just trust in this process. This was somebody who had bought a second farm, who went to the bank every spring to borrow an enormous amount of money to plant vegetables for the summer in the hope and expectation that they'd be able to repay the bank and make a profit in the autumn. And this this is scary stuff. These people really put themselves out there when you think about the extent to which they can't control food prices or they can't control the weather. There's so many things, and they can't control pests half the time either. There's so many things that they can't control. And here is somebody saying on a call like that, Trust in this. Let yourself go. Do what you're doing for the sake of doing what you're doing. And let the money flow. So we've dealt with two obsessions, and they really are obsessions in this podcast today. The first one, our obsession with the approval of others. It's like fuel that we need to be pumped into our veins every day. The second, an obsession with money. Again, it's like fuel that we need to be pumped into our bank account every day. These obsessions, these compulsive, repetitive thoughts, get in our way of doing simply what we need to do to get to where we'd really love to go. And where we'd really love to go has nothing to do with money there's an assumption when people set their perfect moments when they work with me that the money will look after itself and, and lo and behold it always does somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago I want to write a perfect moment in other words set my mind, set my subconscious mind I want to handwrite write a perfect moment for a time when I have no mortgage and I said to them your subconscious mind is not going to be excited by that for the simple reason that your subconscious mind is childlike It needs to be excited. It needs to be turned on by how it feels to be successful, happy, and carefree. If I'm successful, happy, and carefree, it's kind of bleeding obvious, isn't it, that the money has looked after itself? I explained to this person that many years ago, when I was growing up in Dublin, every friday evening my father who was self-employed ran a little business himself would take myself and my brother to the corner shop to buy a brown paper bag of sweets we were kids all we could think about was the sweets enjoying the sweets being turned on by the flavors of the sweets it never occurred to us that there might be Any shortage of money whereby those sweets could not be bought. Money never entered into our minds at all. And to be quite honest, I've no idea whether it entered into my father's mind or not, but the point I'm making is that that is how the subconscious mind is turned on. It's a child mind. It's a childlike mind. Not childish, by the way. It's a childlike mind. And in order to set our minds to achieve what our hearts desire, we need to leave all the adult cares of the world out of the picture. The adult cares of the world about pleasing other people, the adult cares of the world in particular about money. Because when we set our minds having set all those cares aside, our childlike mind having got its teeth into whatever we have set it to achieve as a result of it being such a turn-on and so exciting, is simply going to go do it. And all the other stuff is just housekeeping you've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough, called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit wwwwillie